Hello everyone and welcome to Space Spiels. My name is Paige Kaufman and I am an undergraduate astronautical engineering student at the University of Southern California. On this podcast, we will talk about all things aerospace. We will discover how people got where they are in industry and their experience of the culture and community on the way. Enjoy. Man, do I have an exciting episode for you guys today. I was absolutely fangirling when Gary Jordan agreed to come on my podcast. Now, if you do not know who Gary Jordan is, he is the host of Houston. We have a podcast. This is NASA Johnson Space Center's official space podcast. I love this podcast. I have been listening to it since like early high school absolutely love it. It's so good at storytelling yet being informative. They have the coolest guests on there. Uh, Some of my favorite episodes are the ones with flight directors. Um, NASA's new class of flight directors was um, a more recent one that I loved. He's also interviewed astronauts that are also really good and just specialists that you you know, you wouldn't think that even exist. And you just get to learn about these cool new topics um, along with like the big names. It's just, it's an amazing all around podcast and one that really inspired mine. So I reached out to Gary. He agreed to come on. Gary went to Penn State um, and got a degree in marketing. And he he went through the NASA co-ops program, which is now called NASA Pathways. So he interned there and then he got a full-time offer at NASA working in public affairs. So that's what he does now. He just got promoted, which you'll hear he mentioned and all around amazing guy, still fangirling over this conversation. So kind, so generous. You'll love it. So great listen. So glad he clicked. Enjoy the episode. Oh my gosh. I can't believe you're real. Thank you so much for meeting with me. <laughs> no problem at all. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm just a guy, Paige. Don't you? <laughs> Aren't just we all? Aren't we all? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, I'm going to start with the question that you always start with most of the time, which is um, what got you started with space? Is there anything that sparked your interest in wanting to go into space specifically, or was it communications first? that you wanted? Um, It was definitely communications first for me. I I didn't really think that space was achievable based on how smart I was. I wasn't wasn't very good at math. I wasn't very good at science. So, um, but I was relatively creative um, and I had certain things that I was good at. So I ended up pursuing a business degree. Um, so, So I was going that direction. But when I was studying, I was kind of getting nervous that and kind of um, thinking that maybe I may not have chosen the right thing to Mm -hmm. do. Um, Why was that? Why did you think it was the wrong thing? Well, a lot of the, uh, a lot of what I I was starting to take just entry level courses Mm -hmm. and I had a mentor in the business school that was telling me that some of the different careers paths that I could take. And, um, you know, she was she was really good at navigating the directions that I wanted to go because I was really into film and photography, and so was she. So she said, you know, I want to go into photography, and here's what I'm doing. Uh, so I so I kind of went down that path. But as I was looking up different careers, it looked like I wasn't going to be able to do what I really wanted to do, which was you know a lot of filming and um, cinematography and that, those sorts of things. So I I really was thinking that. Uh, 
maybe I was going to be forced to become like a salesman or something. And so I was considering maybe switching so I can do something more along the lines of what I liked. Mm -hmm. So that summer after freshman year, I was a lifeguard. And I remember just kind of looking up when I was a lifeguard, you get to look at, I was looking at the pool. I was doing my job, of course, <laughs> but every once in a while I would look up and just think, what is something that I can do, something that I can be a part of that would be bigger than myself? And I thought about space very casually, very, it wasn't like too deep. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that I had really considered something like that, but I was like, nah, it's not going to happen. It's not achievable. Cut to sophomore year of college. I'm going around the career fair, looking at different opportunities because I want an internship. They always tell you that internships are pretty cool. Yeah. So I'm looking around and there's all these people in suits, all these different corporations, and they're all, they all just seem stiff and not sort of what I was into, but NASA had a booth and their booth was really cool. They had pictures of people floating in space and they had <laughs> technology and it was like, it was just visually capturing. And so I thought, what the heck, I'm going to stand in line and I'm going to talk to them and I'm going to tell them what I did. At that time, I had been doing a lot of things in filming and, and I was creating commercials and um, trying to go sort of sort of the advertising route. And so it was a shot in the dark. And I said, look, you know, here's what I'm doing. I don't even know if you have something that I could do at NASA. And they're like, actually, yes, we have a public affairs office that does um, that has all these opportunities with, we do filming, we do live broadcasting, and we get to do a lot of creative stuff. Maybe you'll like it. And so I did a couple of interviews and landed the internship, ended up here, and I was sold as soon as I got here. I was like, this is awesome. I didn't even know this was a job. So yeah. Yeah. And then I've been, and then I've been stuck here ever since. <laughs> That's awesome. What did they have you doing for that? It was like co-ops at the time, right? The Pathways thing. What did they have you doing for that? Um, my first mentor uh, was, he was a public affairs officer and his job was to oversee the International Space Station. So day one, I sit down with him and he's like, what do you know about the International Space Station? And I said, nothing. I said, what is the International Space Station? <laughs> he just had this dead look on his eyes, just like, oh my gosh, this kid is hopeless. So he, he, he took me around and showed me like the models of the space, space, stage, space station and then it was really just a lot of shadowing opportunities. They didn't give me a lot of work. Like I, I was writing some things. I was transcribing like congressional hearings. I was doing just sort of monotonous work. Mm -hmm. um, but on the side, the co-ops all get together. And uh, still to this day, they do creative things together. And that's where I did. Uh, I was able to play with video. It was part of the, mm -hmm. it was part of that group that I was able to play with video. And I made some videos for this, for like student videos that sort of helped me to get more embedded in later um, intern rotations when I went back to NASA to do more of that stuff. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed that. But uh, so, so yeah, it was just kind of over, it was sort, sort of shadowing the, the process of what they were doing. It was an interesting time when I went because um, it was right after the shuttle program ended. So there was a lot of people that were confused and were like, where, like what's happening? Where are we going? What's right. next? Because at that time, most of that office was basically supporting the space shuttle program. It was mm -hmm. a huge, huge responsibility. So, um, so yeah. Um, it, it, but then after that, I kind of got more embedded, and obviously, still, I still fell in love with that even after the first rotation. But right, um, I got more and more opportunities later. Sure. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and you went straight to NASA. That was your first job out of college. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I when I was before my first internship. 
Um, I interned with a couple of other places. Mm -hmm. I, I had I entered with a local bus station at Penn State University, and then I also interned in Georgia with Gulfstream Aerospace. So I was I was kind of doing a little bit of aerospace um, even before NASA. But the program that they have at NASA, which is a student that goes multiple times, mm -hmm. one of the big draws of being a part of that program is most of the time, as long as you don't royally mess up. Um, you will get a full-time offer. So there's a sense of ease with that. Yeah. It's not like I really truly wanted anything else. To be honest, I didn't really even explore other opportunities because I was pretty dead set on going to NASA. Yeah. Um, but, that, but that opportunity existed. So yeah, as soon as I graduated college, I accepted the full-time position. I gave, I gave myself like a couple of months before I actually started just to make that transition, right. you know, buy up some stuff, find, a, find an apartment, make the move. Um, you know, do some last minute, like, you know, uh, going around and seeing friends and stuff before I started a career that would last the rest of my life because I've been working nonstop since 2015. Right. You know, mm -hmm. there is, there are no breaks when you're a full-time employee. Right. So I did that and then, and then started in 2015. And yeah, I have, I have, I've only been at NASA, uh, in my professional career, but I've done multiple things here. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I started and I still am at NASA. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the people that get in, they love it. So yeah, that's, that's just it. Everybody loves their job. It's really, it's, it's tough to leave. People do, you know, people find all their opportunities and they want to do other things, but I've been fortunate in the sense that everything that I want to do, I get to do at NASA. So um, there's, there's really not, yeah, I, I really don't have a desire to leave. I really enjoy what I do. Yeah. So speaking of things that you want to do and like to do how far along did it take until like the podcast came about was it your idea did someone like pitch it to you uh did you apply with people to like be the host how how'd that happen yeah that was uh, so i started nasa in 2015 and when i started nasa they threw me on the internal communications side of the house i was speaking mostly with employees i was doing sort of event planning they had me doing a couple of videos but i wanted to sort of embed myself a little bit more it was still an interesting time where we were still not quite flying commercial crew and it wasn't as busy mm -hmm. so we had at the time or we started at the time and still have to this day a dedicated group that is constantly exploring, it's like kind of like a tiger team um, that explores new and interesting ways to communicate with the public. Mm. Because sometimes we can find ourselves uh, being repetitive in our communications tactics because they're tried and true. But as many of us know, in, in the communications landscape, it's constantly changing. Um, especially in the digital platform, social media, YouTube, uh, there's new platforms coming up all the time. And so this was our way to make sure that we were exploring that and doing new things. So it was in that time where I had more, I had a lot of time to um, play with some of these ideas. Uh, I had moved um, into the city of Houston around this time. So 2016-ish, 2016, 2017. I had late, yeah, late 2016 maybe. I had moved into Houston and was, I had a 40 minute commute from this, from the, from the middle of Houston out towards um, NASA Johnson. And mm -hmm. so this is where I started exploring podcasts to fill that time. Cause uh, it was 40 minutes to Houston and then 40 minutes to sometimes an hour back. And so I was filling that time with podcasts. First things I looked for when I was, when I was looking into podcasts was, okay, what does NASA have to offer? And the answer was nothing. 
they, what they were doing at the time was they were repurposing other content and just stripping the audio from the content and putting it on a podcast. There was really no strategy to it. It wasn't a true podcast format, like conversational. And a lot of the things I was listening to were conversational. So I thought, that, so I actually did come up with the idea and I pitched it to that group that I mentioned, this tiger team. I was like, NASA really doesn't have a good podcast presence. I looked up some metrics and podcasts. I didn't believe it because I had just, I, my entrance into podcasts was just, I need time to fill. Let me see what is out there that right. is inexpensive and free and stuff. But I, what I had not realized is that podcasts were growing exponentially. Every year they were expecting significant growth in listenership. Um, and so it was a completely untapped market for NASA. And so I was like, this is, this is something we absolutely need to do. So I got the blessing in that group. I came up with a pitch and a concept of what I thought a good NASA show should be. Um, there's a lot of different approaches you can take to, um, to uh, the kind of content you want to put out. But I really liked, I mean, I really like educational content just to begin with. But a lot of the shows I found myself listening to were conversational in nature. They were long form. They weren't narrative. Um, and they had frequent episode posts. I liked when things were posted very regularly. I liked when I had fresh, I can predict and I knew that fresh content was coming my way all the time. So I wanted to make sure that we could, you know, if, if we were to design a NASA show, it would have to be something kind of like that. It would be conversational, it would be long form, in depth, um, and it would be predictable and frequent. I wanted to post on a, on a weekly basis. So, so I pitched all of this and came up with the idea, and here we are, six years later, um, 300 episodes. So, wow, that's yeah. Awesome. We just posted 300 today. Today. Oh no way! Oh my gosh. Okay, yeah. good. I'll have to listen to it. I that's how I discovered the content is I had to commute to school in high school, and I was really like, yeah yeah I was getting into space. I was like, let's see what NASA has, and I saw it. And something that like really attracted me to space is I went to space camp in Alabama in high school and Did it, you? it nice. was the stories that I really loved is when our like counselor would like tell the stories and so the podcast was perfect so look you did yeah, it it's exactly <laughs> yeah 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 they people have wonderful stories they have a lot of passion and it's the perfect place to do it a lot of the things that we put together nowadays are short form they're two to three minute highlight videos they really just skim the surface of every topic you can get in depth in a lot of other communications products, like some of the web features. And if you navigate through the website, you can really learn a lot and spend a lot of time doing some research. But in terms of the multimedia kinds of content, it, there's really not much. Maybe our live broadcasts where we do things on a long form, we have a lot of time to fill, but you don't, you can't really have a, there's not really a long form conversational format that we have. So it was, it was the perfect gap to fill. Yeah, absolutely. Easy to consume. Yeah still getting a lot of knowledge yeah so exactly. exactly what's your favorite interview that you've ever done it could be on the podcast or just in your you know it's funny uh i i was just asked this question on wednesday really and my answer is i don't really have a favorite but i do have highlights and okay. the 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 rebuttal to that was uh you really don't have a favorite and i was like <laughs> Once you get to 300, I mean, you, you really don't, there's not a single person that sticks out. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's, 
it is moments with each with each person um, yeah. that really are are awesome. I'd say probably one of the best conversations I had start to finish was uh, um, with Stan Love. I think it's episode fifty two. Um, okay. It was the episode was based on a lecture he gave called uh, Mars is Hard. Um, so. I wanted him to repeat that lecture, but kind of in a conversational way. Mm -hmm. And he did such a good job. Um, so it was captivating from start to finish. He just did really, really good. But, you know, I recently interviewed uh, Kathy Kerner, who is the deputy administrator for, um, it's the mission director called ESDMB, Exploration Science Mission Directorate. I forget exactly what it stands for, but part of her job is coming up with a plan for how we are going to actually start and sustain a presence on the moon and exactly how that builds out to human presence on Mars. She was, mm -hmm. she's like the architecture person and she brings together a team. So I had her lay out the architecture of how we're going to do that and what that, what architecture means. And so she went really in depth and I loved that conversation because when I go into every episode, I have like an outline of mm -hmm. the things that, that I want to ask. And it allows me to make sure that there is a beginning, middle and end of our conversation that we actually go somewhere right. um, and tell a good concise story. Cause I only want to put out an hour long episode. So I don't want it to be random chaos. I want it to sort of like have a, have a purpose. Like yeah. when, when you, when you are finished listening to it, you kind of have a good grasp on the whole picture. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that was one where her answers were so captivating and she was so into the conversation that I, three quarters of the way through, I just didn't even look at the script anymore. And I was like, okay, we need to, we need to focus on this. Yeah. And so I was just winging it based on everything she was saying. We were just going back and forth on these fantastic concepts. And so that was a really, really fun one. Another one that comes to mind is I got to talk with the um, uh, the geologists that actually opened up a sample that was collected on Apollo 17, and they were opening it almost 50 years after it had been collected. And I talked to them after they opened it, and I said, "Walk me through the emotions and the feelings and the process mm -hmm. of opening that sample." And I don't think that had been captured up to that point. So. It was raw emotion. You know, it was there was excitement, there was nervousness, there was everything, and I was just zoned in. I was just like, "This is such a really cool story." Paige, you talked about stories, um, like, and that's what really captured you in mm -hmm. uh, Space Camp. That's what I love about the podcast is we yeah. can get into exactly that. We can get into the storytelling aspect where you're just locked in on a, what a person is saying because they're it's it's a story. They're they're so captivating. So. Absolutely. It's those moments that really stick out with me. Um, things that really just captured me uh, in an interview that I almost lost a sense of where I was because I was just so into what the guest was saying. Yeah, absolutely. I think those are the best ones yeah. to listen to too, easily. That's good to hear. Yeah, because yeah. I'm like at that point, it's just me. I'm just like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm listening to the guests. I'm like, wow, this is awesome. So I'm <laughs> glad that it was yeah. listener too. That's yeah, good. and I wrote them all down. So I'll make sure that I listen to them because there are oh, 300 great. episodes. So I'm sure I've missed some. There's <laughs> a lot, yeah. And we and we designed the episodes so you can't you, you can listen to any of them in no particular order. Yeah. Um, we start with the same format. We introduce everybody, to, the listener to an episode and kind of give a background on what we're going to be talking about. So yeah, feel free to jump around to any of them. Yeah, absolutely. 
Um, all right. So as a public affairs officer, you're commentating on missions, you're recording the iconic podcast, but what does like your daily life look like as Gary Jordan? Man, it is, um, what's, what's great about the job is that there's no formula for my day. It's every day is unpredictable chaos in, <laughs> a, in, a, in the, in a beautiful way, yeah. in a sense. Um, a lot of times it's just, uh, you know, I sign myself up for a lot of things. So wearing a lot of hats, doing a lot of things, having a lot of responsibilities. So a lot of times I'm on email, just making sure things get done. Everything from writing press releases to, um, se to securing an interview, to organizing an event, um, to everything, you know? So mm -hmm. sometimes I'm at the computer, Sometimes I'm at the office and I get to spend an entire day in the studio just doing a shoot, being behind the scenes, behind the camera. Sometimes I'm in front of the camera. Uh, sometimes I'm in mission control all day for a spacewalk. I'm there for 10 hours Ooh. and I'm there before we go live, before the astronauts head out. I'm there the entire time the astronauts are out the door and I'm there when they come back. Um, so I'm just in mission control all day. Um, sometimes I travel because, uh, I get to do a lot of commentary and mission support and media support in different locations from California to doing, um, some of the SpaceX missions. Sometimes I go to Florida, uh, for similar commercial crew reasons or the private astronaut missions. Sometimes I go to Russia and Kazakhstan for the, um, for the Soyuz missions. Those are really fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's everything in between. So it's, that's, that's my, so my job is unpredictable. If I were to tell you what I'm doing now, I'm, I get to work from home today um, and be with my wife and kid um, mm -hmm. in between and have lunch with them while I'm catching up on a lot of emails and sending out some reports and things like that. Yeah. So today's, but then, but then the plus is I get to talk to folks like you and, and, um, and that's always a highlight is really uh, is, is the interviews and getting to talk to people. So yeah. I, I like that too. That's it's awesome. everything in between. That's yeah. so cool. Do you have a team that you're working with when you're doing these things? Yeah. Well, actually recently I just got promoted to manager. So Ooh, that's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So, so now I, I manage the team that does wow. all of these fantastic things and I'm still a part of the mix. I'm still going to fly out and maintain my, my chops and skills and in some of these things and be a part of the team. I think that's really important um, to, to be a, you know, to have that leadership and guidance towards others um, to make sure I'm doing the same things and I'm not just delegating. Right. But um, yeah, so, so yeah, I get, to, I get to work with now all the teams where I was uh, before this promotion, I was working mostly in low earth orbit. I was working with the International Space Station, commercial crew, uh, mm -hmm. commercial low earth orbit. Um, I had been brought in to help with uh, a lot of the Artemis One planning and details so that was really really cool i was the backup for launch and i was i was going to be there to support um the time that the artemis flew though with all the launch delays that happened it just so happened to pair perfectly with when my son was born oh. so i ended up taking off during that mission to be with my son but you know that's such as good life. choice yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta do it uh, commercial lunar payloads is super fun. Uh, those are um, 
basically deliveries of stuff to the moon, mm -hmm. um, payloads, scientific experiments. It can be staging equipment for future Artemis missions where these CLIPS providers can stage different resources uh, ahead of a human uh, mission to the moon. Uh, but it's all with commercial companies. So I get to kind of lay this found, help lay the foundation for what that's going to look like in the future because the commercial companies own and operate the vehicles and we're just right. we're just asking for the service. We're asking, it's like it's like the same as if you were to um, sign a package over to FedEx and FedEx were to ship it over to a different location. It's that that's the relationship we have mm -hmm. with the companies. So we're trying to navigate that. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's a, uh, but, but each of these different respective areas have teams, have very smart people that we're mm -hmm. working with. The podcast team, for example, I have five individuals that are on the team regularly that help with each intricate aspect from the production, making sure, you know, we're listening to the guests, we're scheduling the interviews. Uh, I have a person dedicated to posting on the website and promoting on social media. I have a person just dedicated to the transcript to make yeah. sure even the deaf and hard of hearing can, can enjoy our content as well. Um, and then, yeah, a couple of other people too. So yeah, it takes, it takes a team, you know, yeah. as, as much as, as much as I love being a part of this, I definitely cannot do it by myself. If I were to do it by myself, I can do nothing but this, uh, <laughs> yeah. but I'm, I'm lucky in that I get to do a lot of other things uh, in yeah. addition to this. Absolutely. I love it. Yeah. Um, I always, ask these two questions. So the first okay. one is what's the most meaningful connection you've made within your professional life and why? So I, I uh, became the agency lead for the uh, first private astronaut mission to the space station. And there was a lot of eyes on this particular mission. It was new. It was a completely new way of doing business. We were basically, for the first time in the U.S., offering the space station for tourism, mm -hmm. um, or at least that's what a lot of people thought. It goes beyond tourism, but it was my job to basically oversee that. Because of the way this relationship is, public affairs and communications is more deeply embedded in the mission and its planning than in any other example of, of spaceflight. Mm -hmm. Usually we're just kind of on the sidelines making sure things work. This, we are actually part of the mission planning team because private astronauts have many highly desired um, priority communications objectives. And so we get to oversee that. It's without question, one of the hardest things I've ever done in my career is help to get that going, to, to make sure that that mission was as successful as it could be. Yeah. With that, it was a very challenging time because uh, I was working a lot of hours, a lot of late nights. Um, uh, we were going back and forth, a lot of negotiations, tension, but there was a core group of people that were all going through the same thing in different programs. These are engineers by trade and um, it was through these hard times we found ourselves working late together into the night, going to a happy hour after work and just kind of decompressing. And um, funny enough, it was through the most strenuous times in my career that I developed the closest relationships. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we were all going through this together and as difficult and as stressful as it was for all of us, each one of us 
was willing to put in the time and effort because we believed that this is the future. The future is commercial. Um, Space station is not going to be in low earth orbit forever. Mm -hmm. Um, The idea is we help private companies to develop what they need to be successful in low earth orbit. And this translates, this commercial model translates to the moon. I expect it will translate to Mars. I expect it will expand into how NASA does business. And this was really a powerful example for the entire agency. All eyes were on us. There's a lot of pressure. So those friends, we've all kind of gone and done other things, um, but we, a lot of us still are part of that. And they're just super meaningful relationships because of the stress we went through together to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. I think when you go through hard, de- hard times, people just get close. My friends that we've taken the hard classes together. Oh, that's like, that's when you get super close is late night in some libraries. Like that's it right yep. there. Yeah. yeah. There's got to be something human about that. You know, when, when times are tough, it's, it's really what brings people to the closest together. So yeah, as tough as it was, we all, we, we were very proud of the way that that turned out. We had a lot of lessons that we're going to keep applying towards the future private astronaut missions. And that's how it's supposed to be. Mm-hmm. We're supposed to lay the foundation and then work out the kinks to make it better. So by the time we actually start rolling and, and start working on these operations, but flip-flopped, where the private astronaut mission provider is the one kind of helping the NASA folks. Mm-hmm. We have a really good working relationship. So it was worth it. Yeah. It was worth it. Yeah. It's exciting yeah. to think about that future too. Mm-hmm. Um, so jumping to the past now, our other question is advice you'd give your 20 year old self. Um, I would get, I would absolutely love to let my 20 year old self know that to believe in yourself. Um, there is, uh, I had a serious case of imposter syndrome when I started at NASA. I didn't think I was in the right place. I kept getting different responsibilities throughout my career that even to this day, I thought was a little too early <laughs> for, yeah. for uh, what I was doing. But, you know, I was, you know, 20, 24 years old, 25 years old in charge of some very significant programs. I had no idea what I was doing. And there was a lot of times I wanted to give up. So I would love to tell myself just to stick it out, um, to answer the right questions, that you don't need to do everything perfectly, that part of this is a learning experience and don't beat yourself up about it. Mm. Um, went through those, you know, and it was, it was through those difficult challenges and second guessing myself that I ended up doing, taking on more responsibility even now and being more sure of myself mm-hmm. is because of the stress that I put myself under a little earlier. Yeah. So I wish I could do it and I wish I could get through it with a little bit less stress and a little bit less of a self-defeating kind of mentality. Um, more of sort of an uplifting, like you gotta get through it, you can do this kind of thing. I wish, I wish, and I would advise that to 20 year olds now is you're absolutely going to encounter that. Mm-hmm. You're going to be put in, positions where you don't think you're the right person to do it. But trust that if someone put you on that position, it's because they think you're a capable person, even if you don't have the background knowledge in order to do it. The trust is in your ability to figure it out. Um, so, so there's a reason you were chosen. So take that as, as a call to duty, to, to do the best that you can 
knowing you're going to mess up, but that it's okay because you, you're going to mess up in the right ways. You're going to ask the right questions. You're going to, um, you're going to mess up and you're going to learn from it and make it better. Yeah. And that's all good. Yeah. That's awesome. I asked that question cause I'm 20 and it's funny you answer that way because the imposter syndrome is something that like since starting college it's just been a constant thing i'm just having to remind myself i can do it i can do it i belong here and so yeah yeah i have to remember that i'm glad i'm not please alone. do please do yeah yeah it may you may think like you don't you're you're not gonna do it but you're gonna look back you're gonna look back because i'm yeah i'm 31 and so I've, you know, I, I look back when I was 20 and it was the same deal in college. It was, it, it will be the same when you, when you start your first day of your career, mm-hmm. you're going to keep feeling it and you'll feel it for a while. I don't know what, if I, don't, I think I still am feeling it. I just got this promotion into manager. Yeah. Guess what my first feeling was? Mm-hmm. My first feeling was, I don't belong here. I'm not a manager. <laughs> Send yeah. me back down to the trenches. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but I know based on, you know, doing this for, 10 years um that uh that's a normal feeling that's part of it and so even though i don't really know exactly everything that i'm supposed to be doing i know i was chosen because i can figure it out so in finally you know i'm entering a new position without a level of imposter syndrome with this with this feeling like all right i'll just figure it out it'll take some time but but i'll get there you know and that feels that's sort of a relief so if, if I can pass this knowledge on to you, Paige, so that feeling happens to you a little bit earlier than 31 years old, that then I, I think I've done okay. Yeah, I hope it does. <laughs> I really hope so. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Those are all the official questions I have for you. Thank you so much for your time. I was very happy to, to talk with you, Paige. This was really fun. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Space Spiels. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a fellow space nerd and follow us and rate the podcast. It really helps us out. Tune in for new episodes every Monday. I'll talk to you next week.